Hey everybody, have you considered starting a podcast? We here at Screwball highly recommend Podbean for getting your podcast out to a larger audience. Podbean has given us the opportunity to easily bring you Screwball each and every week on all of your favorite podcast services. Use the link podbean.com screwball to sign up and save up to 35% annually. You can also use the link podbean.com pro screwball to sign up for a business subscription. Happy podcasting. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screwball, a baseball podcast, your home for everything baseball. I'm your host, Mike LaPree, here with my co-host, Frank White. Hey, how's it going? This is episode 98 of Screwball, and we are going to be taking a little bit of a reprieve from our normal uh, predictions episodes here, because if you have not heard, uh, the MLB season has been pushed back a little bit. Uh, as of recording this, the first two series of the year are going to be postponed, so essentially, uh, or actually they're canceled, they're not postponed. Um, so they are, you know, so we're back a week now in the season, and probably at the way it's looking with negotiations, wouldn't be surprised if there's another week taken off. It's and expected. That's, yeah, at this point, because they haven't really met like they were pre their own deadline that they set for themselves. So we figured we'd just take a week here because we are going to be now, we are going to be missing a week of baseball. So we thought we'd take a week and see kind of where we're at with the CBA stuff because a lot of it is a little bit confusing. Some of the, the rules that, you know, that they've already agreed on are a little bit easier to understand for well, baseball fans. Yeah, but, and, and we're in a good spot where we have the answers. Mm. Right, some negotiation they're close on some negotiations they know where they want to be so there's some answers now after the last like two weeks we kind of got some answers so at least now we know where we're going to you know what it's going to take to get us back before right. that it was kind of in the dark but now after all these reports and answers and proposals we kind of know where we stand what needs to happen and how close are we so that's yeah. why we wanted to bring it up and just go over it and um, really buy ourselves some time for some answers yeah I mean what you know if we can have a week or two in between here, uh, between our predictions. It also gives us an extra week, possibly, of free agent signings. Maybe by the time we reach the last two episodes or last three episodes of the prediction series, you know, maybe there's some free agent signings. Even if there's minor ones, there's something to kind of chew on. So um, we just figured we'd kind of just talk about the CBA for a little bit because it has been, you know, as we mentioned all throughout the offseason, it's been the big piece of news for baseball fans. And even, you know, all the way until – I have here the first proposal came on January 13th. Up until then, there really wasn't even much to talk about at all, other than, you know, the flurry of free agent signings before then. So just an, an easy way I kind of thought to break this all down, because there's a lot to it, and there's even some stuff that goes over my head with some of the financials and some of the shit that I just... Yeah. It's not even worth for the average fan, really, what's the point in getting into it, um, because it's all, ba- it's all back-end stuff that they handle. So some, some stuff that they're stuck on, and I thought was relevant to why we're still here... And it actually does affect, it's going to affect the game, is like the first thing here, I have the luxury tax threshold and the penalties that are kind of going to be outlined that I know that some of the owners are a little bit against a lot of the penalties because they're obviously the ones getting hit by it. So um, I just have a quote here from CBS Sports that I thought kind of broke it down where they're at currently, and this is from uh, an article written today. So quote, the MLBPA continues to ask for a competitive balance tax line of $238 million for the 2022 season, and it increases all the way to $263 million by the final year of the CBA. The league countered at $220 million for the 2022 season, so $18 million difference there. Um, and then the 2023 and 2024 seasons would also have the $220 million, so there wouldn't be an increase in those seasons. 2024, I'm sorry, 2025 would increase to $224 million, and by 2026, it'd be $230 million. So there's about an $18 million gap in 2022. And then progressively from there, 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 there's a gap because the MLB doesn't want to increase it every year. And then by the end of it, at 2026, 
there looks like there's going to be a uh, $33 million difference. So they have to come together on that. Uh, the luxury tax threshold was set at $210 million in 2021 uh, per CBS Sports. So they both agree that there needs to be some increase. The owners tend to believe that there isn't, there doesn't need to be much of an increase. Yeah. The Players Association believes there should be more of an increase. It gets their star players uh, paid more. It keeps um, the teams competitive. Yeah. With, uh, inflation of salaries. It makes sense. So players, I know they want to start at 230. Yeah. They want to start at 230 and at 263, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And the owners only want to go up to 236. Right. Not 234, whatever it mm-hmm. is. Um, so that's really our biggest point that's holding up. You know, that that's pretty much our biggest holdup at this point. Mm-hmm. And both sides really are not giving in too much to that. But that's our, pretty much our biggest, you know, it's the competitive balance and the tanking and stuff like that. That's where they're working on trying to fix what's going on. And we'll see. We'll see. That's that's the, that's one of the biggest points of why this CBA or or a lockout has occurred. Right. Yeah. I mean, the luxury tax threshold has kind of been a, uh, a big point of contention for some of the owners. Um, you know, the players obviously don't want, you know, teams running rough shot. They want to keep teams like the Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, teams like that in check. And the Mets really seemingly now, um, they want to keep kind of some of these owners in check. But they also want it to be they they want to be a little bit of a of wiggle room so that the owners can can pay players properly and like you said account for inflation rates and stuff like that. So there's there's talk there. Uh, whatever side you're on, you know that's your prerogative. But you know there seems to be there kind of has been a big point of a talking point since the negotiations began, um, and it does affect what could happen in future free agent pools and see kind of how teams shuffle in the future. So I think it does play a bit into what's going to happen. So I thought it'd be interesting to go into that. Uh, the next little point here that has been a point of contention for them has been the pre-arbitration bonus pool, which I believe is a new concept, right? Which would be yeah, a bonus money for younger players, I right? I believe it's like a two-player, or it's called a two-rule. Yeah, the rule two or whatever. Yeah, yeah rule two, two-player rule. I don't know, two's a fool, whatever it's called. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I don't remember the exact name they used. But yeah, I believe they're at, what, $80 million? The players went down. And yeah. owners are stuck at $30 million. Mm. <clears throat> This is one of the biggest gaps they have. This is the, the second biggest reason why the lockout has been where it's at. Mm. Um, I believe the owners start at $20 million and the players start at $115 million. Yeah. Players pretty much have given in a lot more than the owners. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if this is going to happen, unless the players really give in, this is probably ends around 50 to $60 million. 50-55 Figure meet in the middle. But this is a big one. It's to increase the pay of players from arbitration and raise the... I believe this was part of the raise the minimum salary as well. Yeah. The minimum mm-hmm. salary, they believe it was six seventy five, and the players wanted seven thirty five. Something like that. I mean, yeah. that's where they left off. That gap's not that big. That's something that I would definitely come to definitely agree on. Maybe yeah. six ninety five, something like that. But that yeah. gap's not that big. But that's, that's part of that as well. Mm-hmm. The minimum salary and the arbitration for the players to make their money with, you know, and, and the inflation of salaries, everything has to go up. Right. It has to, you know, that's just the way it goes. So that, those are your two uh, biggest, you know, sticks in the mud holding the CBA up. Right. Yeah, the the pre-arbitration bonus pool and just the, the pay for younger, you know, st- could be potentially young star players. Um, they want there to be, uh, you know, the ability for someone like uh, – you know, someone like a Juan Soto who's newer to the league, you know, say a few years back that he could win more, you know, there's more in there in arbitration for him to get so he could be, you know, accurately paid for batting 320 or, what, you know, whatever. So that's kind of the player's belief behind it. 
And that's, like you said, kind of where the biggest gap. That was where I saw the biggest gap in, you know, repeatedly was 115 and 20 million was, you know, they, they seemed worlds apart. Like, it was like, well, how are they going to come to anything here? So now they're coming a little closer. Like you said, they probably meet in the middle somewhere that you'd like to think around 50, 60 million, whether the players feel that they edge a little bit more out the owners or what, you know, however that goes. But that's kind of been those two points, the luxury tax and the pre-arbitration bonus pool and like the younger player salary uh, has been kind of the big sticking points for this CBA. Now we're kind of going to get into some more like rule changes and just, I'd say things you're going to see more of an immediate impact on the game. The average fan will see like, oh, this is different. Well, at least the willingness of the players to listen to is really the biggest, one of their biggest talking points right now. Right. And this kind of goes into, you know, because we're going to go into stuff that they already agreed on because there is stuff that no matter what the deal is, there's going to be some skeleton of, a, of, of an idea in that they've already agreed on. But this is kind of a good segue into it. So there, there's a playoff format uh, change that's going to happen. So basically there, there's been a reported agreement on a 12-team playoff pool, and that seems to be pretty much where it's going to go, that there is going to be an in- increase in the um, 12-team playoff. But now there's been discussions on the MLB wanting a 14-team playoff pool. Uh, which would include, you know, a team getting a bye and there being the, the, the concept of a ghost win for, for a series. So a team with a better record would go in uh, with a win already in the series. So that would give them the advantage for having the better record. That's more conceptual. That's kind of what reports have been saying. But I believe the 12-team playoff pool has been agreed on. It's just what the terms of it would be in a full agreement, what that would look like, I'm not sure. But that's kind of been uh, something that they've kind of used as some sort of, of glue to get some other deals done is to use this as a little bit a piece of a negotiating tool. It's like, oh, well, we'll come up on this. If you guys do this, you know, we'll go up to the 14-team playoff, but as long as you come back on the money on this one, you know, stuff like that. So um, so there's something you could look forward to in, in the coming, you know, years with the CBA is there will be increased playoff pool. So if you're a team that's kind of been on the cusp, you know, you kind of like to see that, So which I personally like. I don't mind 12 teams. 14, I think, is a bit excessive for the yeah. league. That's about half the league. Um, but I do like 12. I think that's a cool idea. Have given two teams a bye. I think it's yeah. pretty cool. I think you just something to play for as a, as a better team. Yeah. Um, 12 teams is going to happen. 14 teams has been more recent. The player said it will give a 14 team playoff if you're willing to go up on the collective bargaining, the tax threshold. Um, and the owners essentially agreed to that. They said, listen, if you're going to give us 14 teams, we're willing to to give you more money. Open up, the, open up the tax threshold or essentially baseball salary cap, because the teams are now going to make more money being in the hunt. So they're going to a little bit more willing to spend more money. Right. So that's a big thing, the 14-team playoff. I'm not a big fan of the 14-team playoff. Not yeah. huge, huge in the 12. I don't mind it. But 14-team um, playoff is a bit much. But if it gets the, guy, the, the players back on the field and it gets the CBA done and it keeps competitiveness in baseball and, um, you know, some of the better players, you know, they brought up, you know, the Padres and Tatis not being in the playoffs last year and teams like the Angels with Trout and Otani. If 14 teams gets those teams in the playoffs, that's a great way to market your players. Yeah. Making them successful. Mm-hmm. Or play more games and be in the spotlight. So, I mean, yeah. you can't blame them. It's just, you know, it's... Like the spirit of competition type thing. There's some teams that can sit pretty well. Oh, I'm going to be in the playoffs, no matter. Yeah, you're a team you like know. the Yankees. They said that they make the playoffs 90% of the time. Yeah. Well, if you add, you know, four more teams per conference, or I shouldn't say conference, per league, what is their theory on spending more money? They right. spend less money. If I'm already making playoffs 90% of the time, now you had four more teams, I, I'm i making the playoffs probably spending less money. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, 
that's something to think about. But that's where we're going. There's going to be expanded playoffs, probably 14 teams at this point. Yeah, but the the, the 12 team, I believe, is is that's was agreed mutually it. agreed upon, not signed off on. It's mutually agreed upon. Yeah, that we're going there no matter what. Right, and here's the other two. Uh, before we get into a, a even newer concept that they seemingly have agreed on, but two things, that, and one of these I believe was agreed on like way early on was one of the early reports. But so there's a universal DH coming to the league. Um, so the NL teams will now have a DH, and either, you know there's going to be no difference in interleague play. It's not like if you go to a National League team, your pitcher's got to hit, blah, blah blah. So the DH is agreed on. I believe that was like early. That was like January, February time that, that they was that, really, that really agreed upon last year, and I don't know why they didn't implement it last year, but right. um, it happens. I think everybody's on board with it. Um, even, you know, myself, who wasn't a huge fan of that after seeing it and, and whatnot, you know, I am more of a fan of it. Mm. I still do like the old style, but I know Mike's a huge fan of the DH and, and, and I, I get it. I get it completely, mm-hmm. but I did like the, the old school style split the leagues. It was a little different, but I know a lot of people were in the camp of just leaving it because it was kind of cool that one league had it. But one they league didn't, didn't. They were like me, you know, they didn't, you know, they'd rather see it leave, but like, if you're going to bring it like, okay. Yeah. Right. Right. That's not going to be the reason I turn the TV off or, or, you know you know, go punch Mike or something. Yeah, sure. Um, So, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Universal DH. Uh, I think on top of it, making the game more exciting. I think that it elongates careers. You have a guy like an Albert Pujols or something that can now go. There's extra 15 teams now where he could just be a DH. Um, I think that it helps guys like that that are, you know, um, they're in their late 30s, 40s. They're more of a hitter now. They can't be out there every day. I think it it helps helps elongates careers. So I do like the DH in that regard. I just think it makes the game more exciting. Um, and it limits, obviously, you know, there's been problems in the past with, with pitchers hitting and, and in p- potential injuries if they have to run to bases. It doesn't happen often, but there are some concerns there. So I just think it's a win-win. Uh, that was early agreed on. I think that's just kind of been part of the deal for a long time at this point. Um, so that's been agreed on, expanded playoffs, as we just discussed, and the concept of a draft lottery has been agreed on. So there is going to be a draft lottery. It's the, the, the dealings of the draft lottery that are still being negotiated. And that's pretty much done. It's either one side's at five picks, one's at six picks. Right. So you, this way you can't tank for the top t- top pick. It's a draft lottery for the first five or six rounds. And then at that point, then it goes in order by your by record. Right. So um, that's pretty much, I believe the players were on the six side. I believe the owners were on the five side for the draft lottery. So that's where we're at. They're going to, someone's, you know, it's just five or six, whatever. Maybe if the players give the 14 teams, maybe the owners give the five team, five or six picks. So we'll see. But that's all but... All but done. That's very minor hold up. Yeah, that's not going to hold up the whole CBA talks over the draft lottery compensation. And that's a good idea, I think. It does help with tanking. Not that it's going to do too, too much. But it does help with tanking. You don't can't just sit, sit back and get the top picks. So it's not a bad idea to do, at least for the first couple picks. Mm-hmm. That's, that's definitely a good idea. Um, and I think baseball and the players, I think that's a good idea. And I think they're, they agree that that's, you know, smart. Yeah. Yeah, it'll definitely work out. And, again, it's not a huge sticking point for – why this hasn't been done, but it could be used, like I said, with the with the twelve to fourteen team playoff thing, could be used as a little bargaining chip to get your money to move, you know, uh, for the luxury tax or something. You get it to move a little bit. If oh well, you know, we'll come off of this and you can have that, but you got to come a little to our side on the arbitration or something like that. It's you know, it's just the kind of normal negotiating. Yeah, it depends to the paper. It's just you know, what are we circling? We circling five or circling six? Right. So I mean, We're but not- the draft lottery's coming. So. Yeah, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. I think there's a couple things here that baseball and the players are like, hey, we knew this was coming. Like, I'll just give us, you know, agree. Yeah. You know I, it's coming, we're coming. Like, what are we going to finally agree on? Yeah, I think that was even agreed on fairly early too, right? At least the concept of the draft lottery was, was fairly yeah, uh, one of the earlier things. So far with the lockout and some of the things I heard, I'm not, I'm really against too much of it. 
mm-hmm. couple of things we're going to come to I'm not a big fan of, but for the most part, I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, that's just how it goes. Right. It betters the game or gives us a better shot to see if it betters the game. Right, right. Well, let's get into those things that you said you weren't really sure on, because I'm not really sure of some of these things either. These are the last few points I have, and this is uh, going to all come from a tweet from John Heyman. Uh, it's obviously been reported on by, you know, some news outlets and other uh, people, on, you know, around baseball. I believe the other – who was the big guy on, on uh, deadline night? Bob uh, – Oh, uh, Bob Whit- Nightingale? Nightingale. I was going to say Whittingale. But, yeah, that guy was like savior. To I know. Even though, you know, we can find out the reports are a little owner-pushing mm. heavy rumor kind of thing. Um, but he was like savior. John Heyman's been right up there too. Um, and Jeff Passan. So I'll give credit to those guys. But, yeah, getting info from John Heyman – Bob uh, Nightingale mm-hmm. and uh, Jeff Passan, even uh, Buster Only. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised Tim Kirchin hasn't jumped in a little bit. You know, I think he's more of a stat guy, but yeah. um, getting info from those guys, by the way, very important and noteworthy because that's most of the information is is, is pretty correct. Yeah. Like another where even if they have the blue check mark, you know, it, it's okay to get your information there. Just note that these guys are like the you know head honchos, the yeah, Shafters, the uh, you know, however you want to, you know, kind of call them in your sport. Yeah, exactly. You you kind of see, oh, breaking news, this is happening from them. It's pretty much that's how it's going to be, or at least that's what they're hearing. So, I mean, you can trust their source. Obviously, things you know things have been agreed upon and then backed off, so things happen. But if you see John Heyman or, or, or Bob Nightingale or Ken Rosenthal tweeting these things, it's a pretty trustworthy source. You know, Whether you like their opinion or not on things is a different story, but their reporting is their reporting. Um, so this coming from John Heyman, I believe this is just a few days ago or even uh, – it might have been last night or two days ago. I forget uh, at this point. But so, quote from from him: uh, Players Union agreed to ML- agreed to allow MLB to ban shifts, implement a pitch clock, and make bases larger in 2023. This is subject to those agreements fitting into a total deal. Those the wording of of those things are important. Union also rejected robo umps for 22 and 23. The MLB goal is to be able to streamline the process and add excitement to the game. End quote. So, again, I think the, the language he's using is important. The Players Union agreed to allow MLB to do these things, and he said it's subject to these things fitting into a deal. So, while these things are more or less going to be probably confirmed with in some form or another, it's not written in stone like the Universal DH the draft lottery. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like, this is the concept and this is how it's going to be. Uh, yeah. These things are, are a little subject to, to fluidity. The, you the know? Players Association said, listen, we'll push this forward a year or two for you and gives you our, our, you know, our write off here. If this is going to get us back on the field. Right. So it's not a bad idea. My concern is, is the shift, the major shift of the guy being in the outfield instead of being in the dirt. Is that going to change the offense, change the people's stop the, the, the uh, launch angle? Is it going to help on a minor side? Sure. Mm-hmm. Every little bit that helps the offense. Sure. Is that going to fix the problem? No. Is that going to change philosophy of the hitters? Some. Is it going to change a big percentage? No. You know, you just give in to, I don't want to say crybabies, but, you know, people who don't get to what they want mm-hmm. kind of changes them, right? Robo-umps, no. Not a, I will never, I'll never agree with them. No, I don't like the robo-umps Especially either. at this point where they're at. They're not even accurate. Yeah, um, yeah I know. Bases, I like to see what they're going to do with that. I just don't understand the concept. You extend the base an inch closer to, let's say, from first to second. Now the base path's now an inch shorter. Mm. So you're technically changing the base path, not the base. Right. And that, to enhance stealing. I'm not sure one inch, even if that's how big they're going to do it, they might even be a half inch. 
Not sure if that half inch to an inch is going to make a difference in stealing a base. Right. Sure, can it? Sure. But knowing the players and the teams, oh, it's a half inch closer. Let's steal more bases. That's not going to be... Yeah. That doesn't seem more logical. And then now it left less shifting, less movement on stolen bases as well, you got to remember. When there was a lot of big shifts, it was more holes to steal bases because, you know... Yeah, because everyone was out of sorts. Exactly. Um, And a pitch clock, okay, if you're going to do it, but... If you're going to have him go over the pitch clock and then it becomes a ball, you have ruined the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. If it becomes a fine and like a, hey, let's go, hey, let's go, if you keep doing it, I'm probably going to throw you out of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Right. I'd rather that. I'd rather that. If you're going to add a ball to the game, you're ruining the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. You're now making a new, a new sport. So I don't like that idea unless they do it where it's like, hey, we're going to fine you. Hey, let's just stay on pace. Let's stay this. Let's, you know. Okay. Not that it's going to help too, too much, but hey. I understand the concept. Mm, so right. as long as they're going to do it that way, I'm not completely opposed to it. But if they're going to add a ball to the game yeah, or give them a base, like a walk, I, I really think that you are just, you're just ruining, ruining the game. Yeah. And I just, I, the players must know something with that. Yeah. They must they know. would not agree to that. Mm. There's no way they would agree to changing the game that big and almost like a, a like slipping it in. Yeah. Almost as an afterthought. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so I can't say that's like taking away, you know, football's only on three downs now. That's like how important that is. Mm-hmm. Right. It changes the whole aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, personally, I'm not a big fan of those rule changes. I just don't think that they do, they don't attract a different crowd. Right. If anything, you lose a, a bit of your crowd. So that's yeah, I agree. I'm there with that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't, you know, the banning shifts, I don't, disagree that shifts go some some shifts go pretty extreme um is it the mlb's job to say you can't put your second baseman you know on the grass i don't know that then it should be the hitter's job to go the other way kind of thing that's kind of like adjust but you know um as long as they make the language of the of the rules correct you kind of said this before we started recording like as long as they make the language of the rule clear like you can't you can't take advantage of the rule, and, and you kind of said before we recorded, like, oh, the guy, as soon as the pitcher goes into his windup, all of a sudden you can sprint to the outfield, and that doesn't make it a shift. You know, you were in the dirt when, you know, the pitcher started his windup, but now that grace period is gone or something like that. Yeah. So um, as long as that's done right, you know, I'm not going to, like, boycott the MLB because they banned shifts or they, they limited what you could do with them. That's fine. Um, hopefully that does create more con- I would love if there were more contact there, so don't get me wrong. Yeah. I just don't know if the Joey Gallows of the world are essentially going to change their swing with, with the way that the baseball is yeah. now. I just and don't I see know, it. And I don't know if that's where their big attention was to change those guys' swings. I think it's just, you know, to change some of the guys and just kind of give them the opportunity to be hitters again mm-hmm. in certain positions and certain players. Now everyone has to be a home run hitter, and everybody has to be a launch angle. So, um, like I said, is it the worst thing? No. Mm-hmm. Do, if they do it right, sure. It's like when they raised the, the lowered the mound people weren't a big fan of that but then they were like hey listen it's it's it needs to be done because the, the game has changed right um, these guys are throwing way harder now so if that changes if this helps a little bit then great as long as it doesn't change the complete aspect and people start making a mockery of the rule because then it's just it's just you know it's like the pass interference rule in football when it had it and it was like this is ass nine mm. you know you don't want that or the taunting rule in football this year it's like this is nuts yeah like if you're gonna do it you gotta make sure you do it right 
Yeah, instead of just play around with it and test it out, you know. Same with the pitch clock as well. Yeah, the pitch clock conceptually, I don't, I don't like a pitch clock at all because I don't like that there's a clock in baseball because because that's the beauty of baseball is that it's it's just a methodical sport in that way. You you're pretty much as long as you have an out still to play with, you could do whatever you want. So I don't love the idea of a clock. However, I I understand that there are some pitchers that are the human rain delay and yeah. they do take a long time to pitch. So sometimes I'm like, yeah, hurry up, please. You know, let's get this going. But at the same time, I don't. I just conceptually, I just don't like a clock being in baseball. But again, it's kind of like you said, do it right, and I'll concede. It's you know, as long as it's not even a thought. Sometimes while I'm watching a game, that's fine with me too. Yeah. Um, bigger bases. I thought the concept would be behind safety, so that these guys aren't hitting each other's ankles and causing injuries. And these guys, you know, some of these players are insane investments for a team, and you know, more safety. As long as it doesn't go too far, is, is can be a good thing. So yeah. I thought that was the concept. That's why I was I was kind of on the board. The breakaway base at first base. Like, That's what I thought they did. The max Muncy collision at the end of the year. Not a, I'm not a fan of a breakaway base at all. Mm-hmm. Um, your professional athlete stay on the inside part of the base. He's a professional athlete. He gets a run run to the base. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when baseball became a less no contact sport. As a ball comes in and could possibly hit you, it's a pretty contact sport. Right. I don't know why that's become such an issue. Like, they they can't get hit. Like the slide at second and I, home plate. I understand. And, yeah, yeah oh, well, we're investments. Everybody's an investment to everything. Yeah. For football, you just take away tackling completely. This is we the pro Bowl all the time. Oh I don't understand God. that. Mm. Let them, you know, be their own keepers. Mm. You know, so the breakaway base, you know, I've been saying that for quite some time that that was coming. And mm. the home run trial was going to leave. You want to save time? Take 30 seconds out. Why the guy? Why the hell is the guy going to jog around the bases? Have him go down, touch first, base, go back to the dugout. That yeah. saves 30 seconds. Three home runs a game, that's a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how much easier you can take away. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't mind it. Um, I just don't like the idea, like you said, of, oh, let's make the bases larger to increase the idea of stolen bases. I don't know if that's really going to, it's like the shifts. I don't know if, if that's changing too many people's minds. No. You know, if that's your concept behind it, then I, I don't really like that. Uh, I don't mind the idea of trying to add a little safety. You but... can't change the way someone thinks about the game or goes about how they're going to strategize about the game mm. by making small, small, small adjustments like that. Someone's going to think about the game the same way. Yeah. They're not going to steal bases. They're not going to steal bases. You're not going to make guys steal bases. Mm. right? Unless it's like, oh, you still second, you automatically get third. Like that's You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So I just don't understand. The game goes through its ups and, ups and downs and its flows. It's a pitching decade. It's a pitching era. Then it's an offense era. Then it's a dead ball era. Then it's this. And then it's that. You know, it, it goes through ups and ups and downs. Can you make some small adjustments like the shift? Okay. But, like, you're not going to force people to steal bases. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. The aspect of speed and base running is almost like an afterthought. It's like defense is almost sometimes becoming an afterthought. It's like, let's just hit the ball. Yeah. Oh, you can play first base. You can play second base. Let's just get more headers in the lineup. Because he might give, give up two runs that game, but he can hit for three runs. So it makes up for one run. Right, right. So that's that's a problem, you know. That's just where I don't know if. And then what if stolen bases go nuts? Do that shrink the base again? Yeah, right, right. Probably not, right? It's like when you juice the ball that they said they didn't do, and then they said they did. So and then they used both balls in the same season. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just bad. It's just it's just bad. I know. Other than that, you know, some things that I noticed. Um, they they expect to dra- uh, drop the draft pick associated to a free agent. That is almost a foregone cl- conclusion. Yeah, thank God. That, that gets dropped. The owners agreed to that, and that was one of the things that they kind of fought, fought about a little bit, but they've pretty much gone away with that. One that we haven't really seen much, I believe the Players Association offered the owners the rights to a sponsor on the front of a jersey. The 
patch that you've seen, I think, in the NBA on the front of an MLB jersey. Right. Or it's kind of like um, a bigger concept of the Nike logo being the sponsor of all the MLB uniforms. Yeah. Now it's just... Yeah, another way of money and sponsorship. So that's another way of like, hey, raise the, raise the, the CBT, the, 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 the tax threshold, because you're going to make so-called millions of dollars on this sponsor. Mm-hmm. So they did offer that. The small patch on a jersey, like the NBA's done, I'm not opposed to. Mm-hmm. The entire sponsor of a jersey like soccer, I am very much opposed to. Yeah, I wouldn't like that. No, it's so, not like soccer. And where we're at right now, I think the owners, some of them, love of the game of baseball is quite in question. And some of the owners, it seems like this is a hobby. This is, I have money. I spend it. I have a team. It's like a yacht. Yeah. I have a yacht. Why do you have a yacht? Because I have money. Mm-hmm. I have a team. Why do you have a team? Because I want it. Yeah. It's like a luxury. Then you have some owners coming with the Mets, uh, Boston, uh, the Steinbrenners with Yankees. Um, there are still franchises and owners out there who still want to win and care about the team. And then there are some out there where it's almost like, hey, this is the only way I have money. This is the only way I stay active. This is the only way. It's a way of just showing I have money. Yeah. That comes into question every CBA, but we see it more and more. And then they say brings me to my next point, their love of the game or their players. Mm-hmm. We've had an owner come out and say that we're going to break the will of the players' union. How could you possibly say that? And then when the CBA does get signed, you're, you're, let's say you're the Phillies owner and the Bryce Harper walks in there and you're the owner, how could you stare him in the face and then he, he's going to sit there and play for you? Yeah. I just don't understand that. And then where we're at, again, right now, negotiating, they are kind of on and off. It's almost every day, some sort of negotiation. Um small meetings between two two people on each side for the most part. What I think is going to happen is you will not see April baseball, and it's designed to be that way. The owners do not make money in April. High schools, middle schools, elementary schools, they're still busy in April, right? Standardized testing and stuff like that. Once May rolls around, they're a little less. It's more mm-hmm. finishing up the school year. Hey, testing's kind of done, right? It's kind of open. Colleges are done in May. Mm-hmm. The weather turns in May. Kids are willing, the parents are willing to go, go out and spend a late night at a game because it's warmer, It's school's almost over, right? Mm-hmm. You make more money in May. If you're Detroit, yeah, you got some games away in April, but it's April t- 7th, 10th, and you're making your home opener, it's freezing. Yeah, sure, it's- the home opener might be packed. <clears throat> Maybe the home series is a little bit busy. But then let's say the next series, it's a Tuesday, it's 1 o'clock, it's 30 degrees out in Detroit with a chance of snow. It's got 17 fans there, and the team's not that good. You're losing money. Right. That game's in May. Okay, Detroit in May. Sure, it could still be cold. Right? You still can, you could still have issues in Colorado. And, but the idea of you can, most likely it's going to be decent. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You'll get more fans. You make more money. That's the idea. So are the owners purposely avoiding April baseball or at least beginning to mid-April baseball? Yes. That is the answer. Right. Will we see the schedule change eventually here soon? The April baseball is gone or baseball starts more towards the end of April? Yes. I think that is the end goal. You cut the season down to 154 games. That's eight days, eight games. That's a week, right? Mm-hmm. That's a week and a day, a couple off days. You can take an off day out of that. That's nine days out of the season, right? You push the season one week back in October, right? Now, all of a sudden, because they, they'll play in the cold. They'll play in December. Yeah. Playoff baseball, people are going. Yeah, oh yeah. So that's nine days. You push a week back, right? That's seven. It's 15 days. That's half a month. Instead of starting April 1st, 15 days is April 15th. You find a couple extra days in there, right? All of a sudden, you're starting April 20th, and most of those teams start more on the warm weather for the first couple days. Now you're not going home to Detroit, home to Boston, home to Colorado until the end of April. Right. 
you make more money that way. Yeah. I mean, could have been their end goal from the beginning. You know? Yep. That, and let's be honest, how many stadiums, yeah, you're selling hot chocolate, sure, for two months of the year. You're selling hot dogs and sodas and cold beer for seven months of the year. Mm-hmm. They're not spending money on getting hot chocolate and stuff to keep you warm. They're getting stuff to keep you cool when it's hot out. Right. There's all little things like that. That's where the owners make money. That's what they're doing. I think that's their end goal. Let's try avoiding April baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it makes sense. I mean, you know, we're we're in a could be a colder climate, especially around this time of year in April. So it's not always the most desirable thing to go out in April. You know, that doesn't fit the baseball weather type mentality. Now, if you're in SoCal or Florida or something like that, it yeah. don't really matter to you, yeah. you know, like or said, Texas. And you're playing Detroit, a lot of times you'll see more day games in April mm-hmm. because it's warmer and stuff. All right, a Tuesday day game in Detroit at 1 o'clock, the team might not be that great. And it's and April it's 12th. Cold. Yeah, it's like, what are you, t- you're not going to get nothing. Mm-hmm. Sure, maybe New York, even New York you'll see it. It's a day game. It's a little cold out. It's like, well, I'm not going to go. Yeah, why am I going, yeah. Yeah. Now, if it's warm out, sure, I'll skip. I'll skip work or go to work, or leave work early, or the kids. I'll bring the kids out of school early to go to a game. It's warm out. It's nice out. Mm-hmm. School's about almost over. Colleges are out. People are going. It just makes more sense, right? Right. So I think that might, you know, might be something they look at. Starting spring training a little later, and starting the season a little later, and spring training then starts kind of towards the tail end of March Madness, right? And the season doesn't start in the middle of March Madness. Something to think about for them as well. I mean, it's just the small things like that that they're trying to make extra money. That's what the owners do. They want to make money. Right. Um, and the players have been beat up for years, and the players are standing together to, to fight that. And then my, my last little bit here in the lockout was whose fault is it? Obviously, it's both faults. Oh, yeah. Of the players yeah. came in a little high because maybe they got beat up over a lot of years. That's why they fought that COVID. We said that two years ago. They fought COVID strong because the CBA was coming up. They couldn't give in. Have the players been beaten down a bit? Yeah, they have. Have the owners been a fault that? Yes, they have. So, okay, the players come in with higher deals or higher expectations. They're like, whoa, ho, ho. is that the players' fault? Sure. But the owners are not willing to be like, okay, we have kind of beat them up and we have made quite a bit of money. And our franchise is never going to lose value. Let's give a little bit more money. And they're very tight-pocketed and they're making billions of dollars. Yeah, that's their fault too. You're making quite a bit of money. Right. You can sell that organization, sell that franchise, and that won't be their biggest purchase of the year. <laughs> yeah. That's a, quite a lot of money you have then. Yeah, that's like, I don't know what to do with this money money, you know? It's, let's go buy a franchise because I have a team now. Yeah. I don't know what else to do with this crap. <laughs> so, that's where we're kind of at. It's both sides' fault, sure. Do I understand both sides? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, but me too. A deal needs to be done. And I, don't, I, I, I expect at this point, once games were canceled, postponed, delayed, it could go longer because now you already stuck the fork in, mm-hmm. right? So you might as well, you can now kind of go a little deeper. Right. Once the games became that. That's why I thought once they became that, I kind of was like, okay, this could be a little ugly. Mm-hmm. Do I expect it the way it's going now? No, I expect probably May. Mm-hmm. But again, I could also see... Jackie Robinson Day being open today. It's the 75th anniversary of that, right? That would be a big thing for baseball. Right. Um, so I could also see that being open today. Mm-hmm. That would push the season back another week. That's really about nine days. So that would make make, quite, make some sense. Yeah. So I could see that as well. Or I could see them starting more May, you know, uh, beginning of May, and that's kind of their season because of the warm weather. Well, so, that's what's kind of scary with them already pushing some time back and canceling games. First time since... First time there's been a work stoppage since 94, I believe. In the 94, the players went on strike. Yeah, And they, right. the reason they don't want to do that mutual agreement 
and end the lockouts because they didn't have agreement then. And the players all of a sudden were like, all right, on the World Series in mm. August. Right. And the owners lost money and lost quite a bit of fans. Right. So that's why they don't want to be like, all right, well, we're going to have a deal before we do this, mm. which is good and bad. Yeah. So this is where we're at with the lockout. It's an update, some of our opinions, but I'm sure a lot of people don't have some of this news, even though we don't even have a lot of it. No. But it's good news for any baseball fan to be like, hey, okay, this is what at least is kind of what's going on. Yeah, it's kind of like I said at the top. There's some stuff that you're going to see an immediate impact in the game. There's stuff that will have a residual impact on the game. And there's some stuff that we're not talking about that are, is probably just even over our head. It's just like back end. The and the players, they, you know, they're like, oh, okay. It affects them and it doesn't affect the, 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 the viewer. Right. Know. Yeah, we would never see the effects of that. Or it would be so small that it would be in, you know, it'd it be inconsequential. It doesn't affect our day-to-day or watching the game. Yeah, so uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens with the coming days because it's starting to, every day feels like a, you know, it feels tougher and tougher on the fan. So hopefully they kind of do like they did with the with the deadline they set for themselves and they just sit themselves in a room and try to figure it out because that did the most good for them was to really, they, they were getting close to a deal. Some people thought that a deal was going to get done. There was optimism. So if they can get back to that and getting in a room and, and almost like all the players flying in and saying, hey, we're getting this done, then... Good stuff will come out of it, but until then, it, it we're always just left wondering because yeah. you know they're they'll figure it out at some point. Sure, sure. So, other than that, our, you know, our last thing is our trivia question. It's hard to really do a trivia question with a lockout. Then, like, when was the last time we locked out? Yeah, it's easy. So, I wanted to go with something with these rule changes, and some of the old ones are nuts. But um, <sighs> like someone reading some old baseball and some things like that, it's nuts. But I wanted to go with when was the last time the bases excluding home plate were either changed as their dimensions, their material, or they were made uniform. That this this is the standard base. Long time ago. So <laughs> just as a heads up. The answer is in the National League, which was obviously the what Major League Baseball. That mm-hmm. was the Major League Baseball. It was professional baseball league was called the National League. In eighteen seventy seven they made the base uniform. They made it a canvas base, had to be fifteen inches on each side, and it had to be three to five inches tall. That's the trivia question. So some other facts to know about that. In 1894, the pitching slab, or the rubber, changed to 24 by 6 inches, which is the current, give or take, right. dimensions of it. And the plate made it to its current shape in the 1900 to 1901 season. Not quite exactly sure when it became uniformed. Mm-hmm. But it changed from marble to require to be rubber. And that's when it's got a shape, and it got, for the most part, it's got its dimensions. The dimensions might have changed a bit. There's not really an idea of when the exact dimensions, but it changed from marble to rubber, or the idea could be marble. Mm-hmm. Marble, obviously, very dangerous. People getting cut, people avoided sliding at the plate because of that. Um, it became rubber. So all the bases, you know, the rubber, now the plate became rubber. Um, so those are some facts on, like, our bases. So seeing a base change is groundbreaking. Yeah. And if you look at some of the old, even from like the 40s and stuff, the bags were really not what they are now. They're soft you know? like pillows, but they were canvas. They were about 15 inches on each side, square, and about three to five inches high. And it was like, this is the same concept we have now. I'm sure these rules are quite tighter now. Maybe not technically. I guess you, guess you could mess with the bases, but everyone has the same base. Right. It's, it's pretty much, you know, right on the money. Right. So, but back then, this was like, hey, let's we got to be pretty close to this, mm-hmm. more uniformed approach. Yeah. So again, the last time the bases excluding home plate were changed 
material-wise, dimension-wise, or made uniformed was in 1877 when the National League, when it became canvas base, about 15 inches on each side and about 3 to 5 inches high. Yep, and we might see that change with this new CBA agreement. It seems like they, the MLBPA allowed that to go through. We'll see what the owners do with that, and we'll see what that brings. I have no idea. I mean, yeah. I just saw that there was that idea was being kind of agreed to. What the actual, you know, agreement comes to is a totally different story. So, exactly. I mean, you know, it's strange. It's strange that that was kind of like a, a point of like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to make the, the bases bigger. It's kind of strange after all the things that have been negotiated and talked about. So, but yeah, that's, that's I mean, uh, it's like I said to you when, when I was trying to guess a trivia question. Like, if you guess that year on the nose, I just don't know. You just know your crap about baseball, especially old baseball, being able to understand the, you know, when the royal the rule changes happened back then is just is just insane to me. So, um, no, it's a good one, and I thought this episode was good to do to update people on where we're at if they haven't followed it and they're just kind of like I'm just if people have just kind of tuned out and been like whenever baseball happens it happens because that's probably where some people are at now they're like I'm over it I don't care just tell me when we're starting yeah you know that's probably a lot of people are just done with it. Yeah, you know? so here's some. That's why we want to do some information. Buy us some time, um, and kind of. That's what we do. We give information out to the people on the game. So that's what we want to do here, because this is the biggest part of the game. This is the game, or is not the game, mm-hmm. in some aspects, right? So this is what's going on. This is a lot. Kind of some opinions and um, what to see here, what to look forward to, or what to look for in these reports, these tweets, these messages, whatever you're going to see. These are some of the hot topic, you know, uh, keywords to kind of pick out of these reports. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, with that, that's kind of the news we always bring at the end is the CBA, and that's what we talked about today. So we'll come back with our predictions next week or if, you know. Um, Unless there's not good news, and then we'll delay the predictions some more. But the hope yeah. is there's good news and we can continue our predictions. But uh, our schedule is much in flux Yeah. here. Not quite as much as MLB schedule, but um, ours is in flux a bit too. So don't be surprised if things change a bit like this week. Right. Yeah, so we'll, you know. We'll keep on our toes with it. Uh, all baseball fans are kind of, especially if you're a big baseball fan, kind of keeping eyes on this. So uh, we'll see what happens, and we'll try to update best we can and, and see what we can do. But, uh, you know, it's a fluid situation right now. It's always changing. So exactly. so we'll see what happens. But I think with that, that's kind of all I had for the episode. I don't know if you have any other concepts to bring up with anything, no. <laughs> any last things. No, that's that's pretty much it. Um, you know, lockout episode can go really long if we wanted to, and really deep, deep dive. Our opinions, we said what we got to say. We gave it the most important facts. Um, and we're still, you know, dealing with owners' money and pride and joy, players' livelihood, and fans, blue-collar fans, just getting, you know, punched in the head. Stuck in the middle. Which is know. how it always is in every sport and everything in the world. Yep, that's you it. you have money or you don't. Yeah, and, you know, the ones that don't, don't have a seat at the table. So, you know yeah. what I mean? We're, yeah. we're just kind of left, not at the negotiating table, we're left just watching. Yeah, and, I, and one thing real quick i like to say um, – it was Jeff Passan brought it up. Take the next best 1,200 players, put them in, play them in the major leagues. The product of the game drops dramatically. Right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The efficiency and the product. It's you know it's like watching you know high school and stuff like that, right? Take the next, take 30 business people. Maybe not rich business people, but business owners. 30 people have some money and just you know business sense. Put them in charge. CBA's done. There's no lockout issues, and the game is probably better off than it's ever going to be with the 30 people they have. That's where they're at. Yeah. 
the big money, the owners, and the, no, the non-love of the game by some of the owners really changed this game and affect it in a bad way. If you put 30 people who are business owners with a little bit of money, and, and, and the game could be in a lot better spot. And that was from uh, Jeff Passan. I've seen that, and a lot of people were like, yeah, that's, that tells you where they're at. Yeah. The players are important. There's only so many people that have talent. But people can negotiate and have money and, and know the game and know what they want to do and just be like, hey, let's just not mess up what's been going on for 200 years. Yeah. Or let's, I'm just worried about my bottom line. Let's, whatever makes me more money. I don't, yeah, I don't care about this. This is just like, it's like, oh, you know, what is your, you know, oh, you have a nice car. You know, this is their rich people's nice car. Oh, I have a team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. you know, it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I've got a, I've got a baseball t- club. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, well, I have a soccer club. Ooh, yeah. One's worth one billion. Ooh. Yeah. Mm, like, you yes. know, yeah, you know. <laughs> That's that's what this is to some people. But then yeah. you have Cohen and Steinbrenner, so this 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 means something. Yeah. Oh yeah. There are there are plenty of owners that do care about the game and their product that they put on the field. But it only takes eight of them not. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you're at. Yep. So, um, that's our last. That's the last bit on the lockout. So it's just it's frustrating and and then to see people say, "Oh, the game's dying." It's not. It's not dying. Yeah. It, There's it, actually it, been growth in the it game. It is growing. Yeah. Has it been a a very visual growth to the average person? No, it hasn't. Mm-hmm. But if you actually look at the numbers, it's growing and it's growing very well. Yeah, it's just it's just, these things need to not happen. Yeah. <laughs> to grow the game. I know. Yeah. Exponentially. Yep. So you know, oh. that's how it goes. You know how it is. Yeah, that's what they do anymore. The MLB. That's just how they go. Mr. Manfred. Oh my God. Yeah, coming on almost smiling with announcing the cancellation of games. It's just embarrassing. Don't worry, his quote is an opening quote when he became commissioner. One thing I'm good at is avoiding lockouts. Yeah. That was yeah. his quote. So everyone go look that up. Yeah. That the one thing. The one. The one. You know, thing you can hang his hat on. And he blew and he's that done up. Essentially, twice with a COVID lockout and this lockout. So, yep. way to go, Mr. Manfred. Yeah, I think on that note, I think that's a good way to end. Sure, because that's kind of where end we're at. Most of our episodes with something about <laughs> Mr. Manfred. Yeah. Um, so with that, I think it's time to wrap up. We'll come next week with whatever happens. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> predictions. <laughs> yeah. So. Hopefully, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. You can catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts and Spotify. You can listen on our regularly updated YouTube channel as well as our website, screwball.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter at RealMikeLapree. You can follow me on Instagram at MikeLapree. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FDubs10. You can follow our official Screwball Twitter at ScrewballPod. You can follow our official Screwball Facebook at ScrewballPod. No Ian Screw. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep. Take care.